Welcome to Living Word. I'm David Israel. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I'm glad to, uh, to welcome you. If you're visiting with us today, I want to just let you know we have a gift for you out at the welcome desk. Please feel free to uh, drop by there and uh, pick that up and, and get some more information about the church. Uh, feel free to ask any questions of any of the people behind the desk there. They know all the answers. I know few of them. So, Check with them. Um, today we begin a new worship series entitled Forgive, Forgiven. Forgiveness is vital to our lives. We can't, we can't have relationships without forgiveness, either on our part or on the part of the other. And so there are two phrases that I want to teach you from the start that you already know. Two phrases that you already know, you've known since your childhood. The first one, mom told you time and again that you needed to say it, right? They're just six words in two phrases. The first one is, I am sorry. I am sorry. And how difficult that is to say, isn't it? How much do you struggle with saying, I am sorry? Unless you're in one of those relationships where it comes so easy or it's forced, I am sorry is not as easy to say, maybe. The other, the other phrase is equally important, and I'm not sure we use it that often. I'm not sure that we express it, especially after someone says to us, I am sorry. It's our responsibility to say, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. So I am sorry, you are forgiven. Throughout this series, we're going to look at both uh, facets of forgiveness to recognize our need for it and our need to offer, to recognize that, that it is upon us to say, I am sorry, to initiate that. And it's upon us to initiate, I forgive you. And we're going to talk about the depths of that and, and how that works out, what that, that looks like. But, but keep in mind within this, it's on you to initiate. Whether you're the one who offended or not, it's on you to initiate. And so we begin our forgiveness series with your need to ask for it, the spiritual side of your need to ask for it. And with that as our backdrop, let's stand and sing our praises to a God who's ever more ready to forgive than we are to ask. Great is your faithfulness. God is faithful. God is always faithful. God is steadfast in his love. God will never turn away, but we have a problem. And that is that we do turn away. We've got a theological term for it, three little letters, sin. Now, that's a word that's, that's sometimes hard for us to hear and sometimes hard for us to relate to. It's, it's, you know, maybe an old thing. Maybe it's been overused by people who want to cast that upon others. But, but sin is, um, so if you, if you read in the Old Testament, the Old Testament was originally he, written in Hebrew. And the Hebrew word that we translate sin, it means to wander off the path. So if you imagine there's a path we're intended to go by, sin is when we get off track. In the New Testament, the, the word that we translate to sin is a word that, that literally means uh, to miss the mark, as if you're drawing back at a, a bow with an arrow and you let loose the arrow and it, and it misses completely, to miss the mark. Within that is the idea, the, 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 the sense that there is a way that we are intended to go in our life, a way that God created us to go in our life. And when we wander off the path, 
We experience that. We feel that. We know that. When, when, you, when you wander from, from God's goal, God's purpose for your life, you experience that. And, and if you think about that, you're on this path and then you wander off. What you've done is you've created a gap between you and God's purpose for you, God's plan for you, God's desire for you. You've created a gap between you. You've created it. God didn't wander off. God didn't leave you. You left. You took the steps in the wrong direction. We call that sin. We don't call that sin as a way to shame you, but just because it's the word we use. And yet in the midst of that, we recognize that gap, that gap that separates us from God. But also because every sin has a social context God created us to be in relationship with one another. So every sin, every time we wander away from God's purpose for our life, we are wandering away from each other. We're creating a gap between us and another whenever we sin. It may not be obvious. It may not, it, it may not just show up right away. But whenever we wander from the path, we are creating distance between ourselves and the people God gave us to be in relationship with. You might call it anger, you might call it a grudge, you might call it fear, you might blame someone else for their side of it. But you've caused the gap. Either because you've wandered off in your own sinfulness, or get this, because they have gone one way with their gap, you've distanced yourself from them because of their sin. And the gap gets even wider. And it gets harder for us to relate to one another. Now, I know no one likes a finger pointed at them. And, and that's going to be a struggle for you throughout this uh, series. That, that, by golly, you're, you're getting a little preachy there, Dave. Um, that's what this is. That's, that's at the, the basis of our faith. And we're going to talk about when someone has wronged you. And we're going to talk about when you have wronged another because there are two sides to that, right? There is, there is the side where, where we have wandered away and the side where somebody else has wandered away from us. And it is on us to be intentional about drawing back toward those who have wandered away or we've wandered away from. I believe God has, has created us in such a way that when we experience that gap, we feel it. God wants us to feel it. God wants us to experience it as a gap that's been created. And I believe God created us in that way so that there's this longing for God to be here in our presence. I invite you to stand again and let's continue our singing. So we call out to God, I'm not enough. I'm incomplete without you, God. Will you meet me here? Will you show up here? Will you, will you come because I need you? Come, Holy Spirit, come. And, 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 and we feel ourselves distanced from God. Meet me here, God. And God says, how about you meet me here where I need you, where I want you in the path I created for you? How about you meet me here? God's here. God's present. And we, we have that sense of, of God's lack of presence because we're not right with God.
Because we sin. Because we all sin. It happens in our life. We all do those things that will hurt us and hurt others and hurt our relationship with God. No matter how big or how small, we all participate in these things. We're all tuned in, it seems, to a radio station, WIFM. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? What do I get out of it? How can I be better? How can I be greater? How can I receive more? How can I be focused more on me and let everybody else be focused more on me? And we need to recognize that that, that, that focus on ourselves rather than that focus on others causes us to take steps in the wrong direction, off the path that God's calling us back to. And we've created a gap and we've created distance. And because God created us to be in relationship with God, but also in relationship with one another, we hurt God when we hurt each other. And we begin to feel farther from God and farther from one another. And it seems as if our prayers don't go anywhere. And, and it's nothing new. This psalm was written 4,000 years, well, close to 4,000 years ago. Psalm 32, David writes this, and David, King David, you might have heard in Israel, King David had, had known God and known the experience of wandering off the path, and he writes this in Psalm 32. I'm going to read verses 1 to 4. Happy are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now listen to this. Listen what he, happens when David says he just he wouldn't he wouldn't confess his sins. He wouldn't talk about it. He says, "While I kept silence, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me." We're meant to experience our sinfulness, our wandering off the path, the things that we do to other people, other people do to us, and the things that we do that separate us from God. We're meant to experience that as a, the heaviness on our bodies. My strength was dried up as the heat of the summer. The heaviness of God's hand upon us. And, and in, in Psalm 38, David brings the, the whole idea back to, to light. O oh Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath, for your arrows have sunk into me and your hand has come down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin, for my iniquities have gone over my head. They weigh like a burden too heavy to bear. Like a burden too heavy to bear. To bear. It's, it's as, if, as if we're taking those insults that, that, that we say to one another, we're putting them in a backpack. And, and, we, and we take those things that, that we've done that, that have hurt each other and we pack it too. And, and, we, and we pick up one thing after another. What I said to that cashier, I shouldn't have said, but all right, that's past. And, and then we pick up a, another and we say, I can't confess this, I'd lose my job. I can't confess this, I'd lose my marriage. I, oh, that looks nice. Kind of shine that up and maybe that's one I'd like to keep. And then we carry it around with us. 
It works so well in practice. Some of our sins are larger than others, and, and some of them are, are, are small, like, like a, a, a little rock that, that we carry around. And, 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 and the thing is, though, that if it's, you've said, maybe you've said this before, you know people that say this, that's just the way I am. And they put a little rock in their backpack. That's just who I am. And they put another rock in their backpack. And they just act that way over and over again, being kind of evil to one another. And one after the other, you do enough of these little rocks and they might get heavy. And you're carrying around this heavy burden. And we keep adding to it. And the weight gets heavier upon us and the gap gets farther between us. But you know what? The Christian faith, more than any other of the world religions... The Christian faith is about forgiveness. It's about grace. It's about redeeming relationships. Jesus was constantly avoiding the pious religious people and gravitating toward those who are sinners. Seeking to offer forgiveness. You know, in, in, in Jesus' day, um, in biblical times, eating with someone meant that you had a relationship with them, meant that you, you wanted to be in the same room at the same table with them. This table fellowship was so important, and, and Jesus was found to be eating with sinners all the time, with people that didn't belong because of their sinfulness. You remember the story of Zacchaeus? Maybe if you were a child in Sunday school, you sang Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Remember that one? Zacchaeus was a professional sinner. He did it for a living. He cheated people every day. And Jesus sees him from a distance and he says, he was in a climbed up a tree to see Jesus. And he sees him at a distance and he says, Zacchaeus, let's go to your house. We're gonna have dinner. I want to eat with you. I want to have this relationship with you. I want you to experience the forgiveness of God through our relationship with you. And Zacchaeus is so taken aback by this fact that has that meal with Jesus and, and he, he confesses, he says, if I've done anything wrong, I'm going to make it right. More than the law requires, I'm going to make it right. I'm going to make restitution. I'm going to redeem my relationships with those people that I've wronged. Because of the forgiveness that he experiences in Jesus Christ. In the Lord's Supper, which we'll partake in later, in the Lord's Supper we have the cup. And Jesus says, this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you. This is his blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sin. That comes from an Old Testament passage that says that, that there is no salvation without blood. There's no forgiveness without blood. That's why the, the, the cup represents blood. It's not really blood. We don't believe that. It's, it represents for us the blood of Jesus Christ poured out for us in forgiveness. On the cross, Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. When Jesus is resurrected, he meets with his disciples and he says to them, whatever you forgive, I forgive. Giving us the power of forgiving others. Forgiveness. You know, we tend to sing that song from our own perspective. 
And, and uh, I, one of the cl- things I'm going to teach confirmation class uh, this afternoon, one of the things we're going to talk about is the human side of Jesus. Jesus, we say, is fully God and fully human. And the human side of Jesus, I can just imagine singing that song from the cross. Help me do the impossible, God. The human side of Jesus suffering and saying, help me love the unlovable. And giving into it. And maybe God's response, Jesus would have heard in the, the memory of Psalm 103. Again, this is David writing, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high, I'm sorry, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west, that's what God does for us. That's his extravagant love, his grace. We know that in our heads, and yet we carry it around constantly as a companion. We can't seek to stop carrying the burden, even though God's message to us is, you're forgiven, stop carrying the burden. Faith and grace means God's acceptance of you. That's the nature and the character of God. For us to be healed and turn away from the things that cause the gap in our relationship with God. We call that repentance. And it's simple. I feel the weight. I feel the damage done. The weight of the burden is upon me. And I feel remorse that I've created a gap between myself and God, between myself and other people. And I turn toward God and I turn toward the other And I try to make amends in whatever way I can, and I ask God to forgive, and God already has. Psalm 32, verse 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave me the guilt of my sin. And I felt the weight come off. Right now I could jump to the fifth row. You feel the lightness of forgiveness. The lightness of the sense that that God has forgiven. That God has taken the step. Though we have wandered off the path, God has taken steps toward us. Has moved toward us. We see that in, in the communion meal. It is a a meal that that represents God's great love and acceptance of us. It's a a meal that harkens back to the Old Testament times, to the book of Exodus, where God says, I'm going to deliver you out of the things that, that are your captivity. And he did this physical, real delivery of the people. But today he does this spiritual and very real delivery of us through Jesus' acts on the cross, Jesus says, this is my body, willingly broken for you. 
And this is my cup, my blood poured out for you. And we remember that whenever we eat the bread and drink the cup, we celebrate Christ until Christ comes again. Let's pray. Almighty God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will be on everyone gathered here. And upon this, the bread and the cup, make it become for us the body of Christ broken for us, the blood of Christ shed for us so that we could be redeemed for your purpose and sent out for the purpose of sharing love and forgiveness with the world. It's in Christ's name and for his sake that we pray. Amen. The cross. At the cross, God willingly sacrifices his son. Jesus willingly gives his life for our forgiveness and our ability, our opportunity to get back on the right path with God. But let's make no mistake. God can't be fooled. You can't stand before God and go, I'm sorry, and expect it to count. God knows your heart. Forgiveness is a, a, deep, a deep sense of, of, of regret on our part and a desire to be made right, to close that gap that's between us and God, a desire to be right back there with God. And you might say, oh gosh, but I, I return to it time and again. <laughs> There's actually a verse in the Bible that says, as a dog returns to its vomit, we return to the sin time and again, time and again. Will God forgive me this time? Jesus is talking to Peter at one time, and Peter says, how often should I forgive someone who has, has offended me? And, and he says, seven times, and Peter thinks he's doing great because seven is, uh, you know, that's a perfect number in their day. That seven meant perfection, and Jesus says seven times 70. And for those mathematicians in the crowd, he wasn't saying 490. He was saying perfect, perfect forgiveness. And that's what's been offered to you. Perfect, perfect forgiveness. There's a story I read one time um, of a, a missionary who went to a, a foreign country and, and there in that country, he got to know people in the village and, and uh, um, so many people came to faith, uh, but he was always disturbed in his soul about something. And, and there was a woman in the, in the village who claimed to have visions of Jesus and conversations with him. Well, the missionary was a little skeptical. And, and, and he went to her one day and he says, you know, I'm not sure, I, I'm, I'm not sure you're, what you're experiencing is really a conversation with Jesus, so I want to test you on this. Here's what I want you to do. Next time you have a vision and next time you, you talk to Jesus, say to Jesus, um, my pastor, while he was in seminary, committed a terrible sin. What was that sin? And if you can come back to me having heard from Jesus what that sin is, I'll believe you. Well, days passed by and sometime later he ran into this woman again and, 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 and he said, he said did, did you have a vision? And she said, yes, I did. Did you speak with Jesus? Yes, I did. Did you ask him the question I wanted you to ask? Yes, I did. What did he say? And she said, well, I said, Jesus, my, my pastor is deeply disturbed about this sin from his seminary days, and, and, and he wants to test to see whether, whether you can tell me what that sin was. And what did he say? 
Well, he said, yes, your pastor sinned. I just don't remember what it was. I think Christ knows that sinfulness is a part of who we are, but it doesn't have to be. And as the Bible verse said, as far as the east is from the west, God is willing to offer that kind of forgiveness. A, a, a forgiveness that, that is so far away that the gap can come together. And we can once again have that relationship with God and that relationship with one another. As you leave today, um, I want you to, uh, uh, as you leave one of these two doors, uh, there's a box of rocks at each door. <laughs> Just smaller ones. Uh, you, may, you may remember several months ago we did a, a sermon where I invited you to carry around a, uh, a little glass bead, and it, that glass bead represented your, your baptism and the fact that you are a part of the community of Christ through your baptism. And I, I carry that all the time with me. And actually, somebody showed me theirs uh, after the, the service today, uh, the 9 o'clock service. But I'm going to ask you to carry something different. I'm going to ask you during this month of February, during this, this time of this series, to carry a rock. The rock represents two things, actually, both our sin and our unforgiveness of others. And I want you to carry that and, and feel, I know it won't be too heavy, but feel the burden of that for the month. And, and on Ash Wednesday, which is the last Wednesday of this month this year, on Ash Wednesday, we'll have a special service um, for you to bring that rock back, and the service will be centered on that. So I hope that you'll take a rock on your way. I also recognize that, that maybe something in this service um, uh, has, has convicted your soul. And if it has, let me give you a couple different opportunities. First of all, um, after the service, uh, the band's going to play a, a reprise of that song, and I'll be standing over here. Um, to pray with anybody who would like to. Pastor Greg will be over here if anybody would like to pray with him. Also, we said there'll be a Stevens minister, um, and that's a, a member of the congregation who's gone through training. If you'd prefer to talk to a Stevens minister, they'll be outside at the welcome desk, um, and they'd be glad to talk to you in person right there, or if you desire to go back to one of the offices and, and speak in private, they'd be glad to do that. For now, I hope that you'll receive this blessing that sends you off into the world to consider what forgiveness means in your life and what it means for your relationships with others. Go in the name of Christ. Amen.